Craft Beer Radio, episode 246, on April 13th, 2013. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio. My name is Greg Weiss. I'm Jeff Bear. And we're doing a interesting selection of beers today. Kind of a, just a quick selection of beers, right? Yeah. You, you're actually on deadline, so we're going to be rushing through this. So you could play the podcast at half speed, and maybe it'll be as long as normal. We'll see. <laughs> um, Vicki Lawrence, The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia, number one song 40 years ago this week. So. Wow. Impressive. Okay, yeah, so uh, let's go. Um, this is interesting because... Let's do the gluten-free one. Yeah, let's do that first. So this is this I, I saw at Whole Foods, and I found it very interesting because you know you, we've seen group gluten-free beers for but i've never seen one that called itself a pale ale i've seen ones you know that mm-hmm. they call itself you know just right plain old beer but not a pale ale so it's just something that they obviously are trying to, to mimic a pale ale as much as possible but without doing pills malts and other stuff like that so i'm kind of curious as to how they will do that right. so um this is from new Pl- this is new planet pale ale new planet is a gluten-free beer company uh it's formerly called Off Grid Pale Ale, uh, and it has in it sorghum extract, brown rice extract, molasses, tapioca maltodextrin, caramel color, which is gluten free and made from corn, hops, and yeast. And it's topped with Centennial Cascade and Sterling hops, 5% IBUs, f- uh, 5% alcohol by volume, 45 IBUs. Interesting. Interesting. So, sounds like a sounds like a pale ale. Yeah, no. It, it, uh, for the award, it, it won three awards: Craft Lager and Small Batch Festival Gold Medal, uh, twenty twelve Los Angeles International Commercial Beer Competition Gold Medal, twenty twelve Craft Lager and Small Batch Festival Silver Medal. It doesn't say category. I imagine gluten free beers. Probably. All right. So the aroma on this one does have good hop. It has a good maltiness to it too. It's got a, a nice amber color to it it's not quite a bready maltiness it, you know the molasses mm-hmm. is, is a part of it and you said they used what they didn't actually you said sorghum and rice sorghum brown rice part. extract but they yeah. also use molasses in mm-hmm. there to put in there tapioca maltodextrin which is a uh, you, you can add that as a sugar mm-hmm. uh, that would help with the mouthfeel too yeah the maltodextrin won't ferment out so you know it's so you can't do Ryan Heinzke if you're going to do uh, no. this type of beer. I think you know. I, I think what this is interesting, and you know, I haven't tasted it yet. But I think what we're what we're seeing is the people who are trying to do gluten free beers are really trying to uh, make it taste, you know, and, and feel more like a beer that they're used to instead of just okay. Well, we're we're just not going to we're just going to use sorghum. Mm-hmm. But they're trying to do put other adjuncts in there to make it really give you the same feel. So let's see how it goes. It definitely has that beer feel to it. You know, some of the things, now the aftertaste isn't quite there. It's a little different. But that when it's in your mouth, it feels more like a pale ale than thinking of other uh, gluten-free beers, you know, like Newgrist mm-hmm. or uh, Bard's Tale and things like that, which are more meaty, you know, more like a mead. Right. Actually, I'm not liking this aftertaste at all. It's a little... Um... <laughs> it's, it has a really... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? tenacious aftertaste it just hangs on it and it's several different tones and none of them pleasant <laughs> it's it's you know what it, it's kind of a uh celery stalk a little bit of that and a little bit of kind of the the skin of a potato 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, when it's in your mouth, it tastes hoppy. Doesn't quite have a full breadiness to it, but it, it tastes like an ale. It tastes like a beer. But then, yeah, after you swallow, it, there's a whole bunch you got to get used to. I mean, maybe if you're, you know, if your options are limited, mm-hmm. you know, but this isn't, this isn't a gluten-free beer that tastes like a beer. This is handicapped because of yes of what they put into it. I'm I'm wondering because you know brown rice extract. I'm wondering if that has anything to do with that edge to it at the end. It's hard to say. I mean, it's such new ingredients that we really can't characterize what's what, right? Because we don't have enough experience mm-hmm. with them in different things. I was just listening to a Basic Brewing podcast, Basic Brewing Radio, where they talked with Colorado Malting Company. It's relatively new craft malter, making all kinds of crazy, you know, especially small batch malts, right? And they've done a lot of work with malting um, non-cereal grains, sorghum, you know, uh, buckwheat. Um, they were actually working with New Belgium. New Belgium brought in a bunch of different things for them to try to malt. And, like, some of them did. Some didn't even sprout. Um, they malt sunflower seeds on occasion. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's a very fascinating podcast if you if you want to hear about, like, the, especially these additional grains that, you know, non-cereal grains, non-traditional grains, you know, not wheat, rye, or, or barley, excuse me, that they're malting. Um, like, they found the sunflower seeds... You don't want to. It doesn't have much diastatic powder. Power has a very earthy taste. They were saying. What is diastatic power? Um, that is enzymes to convert in the mash type thing. Okay. So you would so, need. So the enzymes that convert in the mash to to make sugars that. The yeah, barley can... barley has the enzymes, right? Um, other things like corn and rice don't. So that was one of the reasons that. Six row was popular malt for adjunct brewers is because six row is like supercharged in the diastatic powder power, the, the enzymes in there. So you can use less malt and have enough of the enzymes to convert all the starches that are in the other grains, the adjuncts, where if you were doing the same recipe with two row, it might not have enough enzymes to do all the conversion. You have to use a higher proportion of two row, mm-hmm. but two row, you know, craft brewers almost exclusively use Turo because it it's better tasting. You know, yeah. it makes a better beer. It has a more palatable flavor. Where Six Row doesn't, except for if you're trying to do certain classic styles, which call for Six Row, but it does have a distinct taste. Um, I but, imagine with, with with some fiddling and, and and enough evolution, you can get to a point where, you know, I mean, not natural selection evolution, but you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, human selection evolution. You could probably make a six row that that comes close if you just keep doing it. Well, the grains trying. are a lot smaller, right? I mean, right. there's they're like a different species, so it's I don't know if it's technically a different species, but it's it's very different from two row, and they just don't have the same characteristics. But but back to like you know the the sunflower seeds, right? You would have to mash that along with barley to get it, you know, to to convert in the mash. So I'm trying to 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 figure out what this end taste is, and it, it's. I mean, it's not horrible, but it's not great. But I'm trying to zero in on it to tell exactly what it is. And peanut shells. Okay, yeah, it's it's kind of. I mean, you know, not using non flavors, it's 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 dry and scratchy. It, so peanut shells is kind of dry and scratchy, right? Yeah, it's. Um, but there's a slight roastiness there too, like roasted peanut shells, like get at a ballpark or something. Yeah. You know, a few more sips in, it's not as um, 
abrasive mm-hmm. as it was on the first sip. The first sip was like, oh, <laughs> very something very foreign on your tongue after a few sips. This is something you could get used to, and and it's a decent way to have a beer if you you know really do have a gluten allergy and you, you can't take it. Um, you you'll have to get used to this. This and this is this is not. I mean. That's the problem. Anytime you're doing a gluten-free beer, mm-hmm. it's not going to be like a regular beer because <laughs> beer relies on these uh, on on these grains that that have gluten in them, or most of them do. So, so trying to do something that really resembles it is a hard job. And that, you know they they're doing a reasonably good job, but they can they can only work with what they have. Yeah, I am surprised at how quickly I became accustomed to it. The First two sips, I was like, oh, uh, I was looking for the dump bucket, right? But now I only got one sip left of my, of my half 12-ounce bottle, and I'm, I'm fine with it. It doesn't, it's not, it's not gross anymore. Mm-hmm. So you do get used to it pretty quickly. Yeah. All right. And it's, you know, it's well hopped. It has a, mm-hmm. it has a good hop um, tang to it. So if you're missing that. You can definitely pick this up. Just remember, you know, you're going to have a little bit of hard time getting used to that edge, but you'll get used to it. So, yeah, now we're trying to figure out, like, what's the flight now? Because we have an IPA, we have a rye beer and whiskey barrels, and an oatmeal stout. Well, this is the IPA, and then we'll go darker. So, we'll go the IPA, the rye, and then the oatmeal stout. How about that? All right. Okay. So, this is the uh, Rye Rebellion from Full Plant Brewing Company. Oh, I'm sorry. This is not. This is the Coronado. <laughs> This is the Coronado Islander IPA, which is the available year round as part of their core series. It's uh, they use two row Cara and Munich malts. Uh, they are hopped with Columbus Centennial and Chinook hops. Seventy five IBUs, seven percent alcohol by volume. The yeast profile Cal Ale, I guess California. I don't know. The color is a. Weedish yellow, a little bit darker, maybe gold. It's got a nice head to it. It's a little cloudy. It's a nice uh, spicy hop aroma on it. No, that's a yeah, nice aroma on that. It it's spicy, then it turns kind of pineapple-y. slightly leafy. It's it, mm-hmm. it's got yeah, it's good. It smells very nice. This is the Islander IPA. I know they also make an Idiot IPA, yeah. which I think is their double. I mean, it's seven percent. It's it's pretty heavy for an IPA already. Hmm. Okay. So big hop flavor, but it also for has a big malt backbone backing it up. It's um almost unusual for. West Coast beer, right? It's it's very malty for a West Coast style, even though it doesn't really come across as like an English IPA. Um, but I, I like how it has that foundation, that big malt foundation. It's very bready. It's um, almost, you know, it's, it's cloudy beer. And I'm wondering from the taste, it almost tastes like there's some wheat in there. It almost seems like there's some wheat. Two row Cara in Munich. Okay, well... It seems like there's some wheat in there, because it has a nice, smooth mouthfeel, a little fuller body, and it has a little taste that is from something else, but it reminds me of, like, a, you know, 
I don't, I don't Here's know. where I'm getting like pineapple. I'm getting some sort of tropical stuff going mm-hmm. on. I'm getting flavors that are almost Hawaiian. Uh, it, it, it's really interesting because I think what, the weird thing is happening is, like you said, it has, it has a pretty nice malt backbone, which means the hops are not dominating. Mm-hmm. They're just sort of accenting. And when you have that accent, you get a lot more fruity flavors coming out as opposed mm-hmm. to just a big, strong alpha acid flavor. And I think what's, what's coming up are these really interesting tropical flavors. Maybe a little mango, maybe a little bit of... Uh, Slight bit, yeah. Cascade Chinook and Columbus, they they claim is the uh, the hop hopping on here. They say on their website, Columbus Centennial and Chinook. Hmm. So, well, I I trust the bottle over the website. Except it's a silkscreen bottle. They might have had too many and changed <laughs> the website's cheaper to change. <laughs> That's true. Remember when Dogfish Head did that? They had. Um, they had the worldwide stout, right? And it, is this what you're talking about? No, no, no. I'm talking about. Uh, um, 60 minute for the longest time 60 minute had on the bottles and on the, the cases uh, the continually uh, hopped bottle conditioned oh right India pale ale and they stopped bottle conditioning it mm-hmm. and so for a while the bottle still said bottle conditioned even though they didn't and then bottle the bottle condition line went away right yeah and finally they added super fantastic <laughs> That's right. instead super of fantastic. bottle conditioned <laughs> I was thinking you were talking about a long time ago. It was like one of the very first runs of Worldwide Stout where the label said, um, made with ridiculous amounts of barley, vim, and vigor. And they had to take a black marker and scratch out vim and vigor on the label. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was the first time I had seen Worldwide Stout. That was probably back in 2004, 2005, somewhere in there. And then after that, they reprinted the labels without the... uh, the false claims of putting vim and vigor in their beer. It's interesting. They, they, so they've had some some labeling <laughs> messiness. Every brewer has had labeling messiness. Maybe not to that extent, but just getting labels approved. Right. Or having one label approved and another one denied, which is like even less risque. You know, just there's no consistency with label approval. I'm still amazed that Falling Dog managed to put out oh, a beer enough. that says "Good beer, no shit." Good beer, no shit on it. It's artwork. Yeah. No, but nobody else can claim that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, this Islander IPA from Coronado is wonderful. Mm. I was listening to the Beer Report with Groucho and Chud, and they were talking about you know how their palates have. Are changing back and forth over time, and you know they used to talk about how you know they were huge hop heads. They would fall down, gaga about the hoppiest beer ever, and they're out of that phase now, right? Funny thing is, and I was meaning to write to him, I'm back in that phase. I can't get enough of hops right now. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's been it was I was I was not a hop fiend for probably like four years, five years, but all of a sudden. I'm a hop fiend again, so it's very cyclical, I guess. I don't know, but I, I am on the hops again. Well, maybe it's, you know, you you go into another direction for a while, and then you start craving that thing that you're missing. I, I, that could be it. You know, I had thought. And so, you, I mean, you. But, I'm sorry to interrupt you, no, you but you could still be a hop fiend, but also at the same time still enjoy a non-hoppy beer, right? Oh, so it's absolutely. not like you're, 
you're only going to enjoy hoppy beers. So there's a slight difference. There is a difference. But I had thought I, I had lo- I had left that part of my my beer evolution of, you know, just craving. Like, oh, I need to go get, go get another six-pack of IPA, you know? I mean, that's the point where I'm at. Like, like I just finished up a case of Fathead's Headhunter, and I'm like... The next beer I get's gonna be IPA, you know. It's just like I don't, I'm not looking for variety right now. I'm looking for hops. Well, I think it's reason. time for you to make one then. Could be. I mean, your wheat beer didn't work out, so mm-hmm. try something hoppy. Go for, uh, go for an IPA. Yeah, the wheat beer didn't work out mostly because of horrible temperature management on the mash. But well. Not everything's going to work out all the time. We learn from our mistakes, mm-hmm. right? If we didn't, then what would be the point? Absolutely. Islander IPA, that's good. Commercial time. So if you would like to support us in any way, there are a couple ways you can do that. You can donate directly to us. Go to craftradio.com, click on our little donate icon, and uh, you can do, what is it, $24 a year. You can do... Two dollars a month. You can do as low as twelve dollars a year. Twelve dollars a year, or two dollars a month. There's there's fees on how many times they debited, so I have to put limits there. Uh, you can pick higher as much as works for you. Um, but there's you know there's a more fun way. There's the you're going to shop on Amazon anyway, and when you shop on Amazon, you know try to think of hey, Craft Beer Radio could actually get a cut of what I'm about to spend, and all you have to do is go to craftbeerradio.com/slash/amazon. You'll get redirected right to Amazon in the referral little piece of magic we put into the website there. And it doesn't um, cost you anything and it gives us a little bit of extra. Yep. And you can buy all kinds of wacky stuff and you'll hear you'll hear us talk about it in Amazon Anonymous in the post show. That's right. But we won't know who bought what. Um there's some re- other referral links. We had somebody sign up for a Bluehost account. Awesome. So yeah. we get uh, Bluehost is our web host. We've been using them forever. And uh, extremely happy. You could never host a podcast that you know where there's a terabyte of downloads every three months for six dollars a month anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's uh yeah. If we didn't have Bluehost, we probably wouldn't be doing this podcast because it would cost <laughs> too much to provide it to you. Um, can't recommend them more, and we get a pretty generous referral fee. So you can go to our website, get a link there. There's also links for uh, Midwest Home Brewing Supply and. Uh, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's go on to the next beer. Enough for commercials. All right. So we're on to the Rye Rebellion. This Local is from brewery. Full Pint Brewing Company here in Pittsburgh. This is uh, 11% alcohol by volume, 5.5. 11%. But 5.5 IBUs, a really strict drop in, in bitterness. Wow. <laughs> Doesn't the beer have like six IBUs with no hops in it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to do that. Uh, original gravity, 22.1. <coughs> hmm. It's a, it's a imperial stout that's brewed with four types of rye and aged in rye whiskey barrels. That sounds fun. The Rye Rebellion name becomes from here in Pittsburgh is where the Whiskey Rebellion happened. Where Washington called in the Federals to uh, crack down on us Pittsburghers about not paying our whiskey taxes. Really dark. <laughs> really, really dark. 
Yep. It's a uh, it, it's like oatmeal stout type. Well, no, not quite. Right around the edges, you get a really tiny. If you hi- hold them to light, you see a tiny little bit of red. Yeah. <clears throat> Did that smell like prunes mm. to you? It smells a little like fingernail polish to me. Fingernail polish. Really? Remover. Yeah. Yeah, I can see where there's a little bit of that. I'm getting some acetone in here. Dirty barrel or something. Bad packaging. Bummer. I'm really sensitive to that stuff. And <laughs> we'll see if I can get around it. But yeah, the more we got an email from J from JD, right? He's like, "Man, you guys get a lot of bad beer up there." Well, <laughs> we drink a lot of beer, so it's gonna happen. I, I guess. I, I'm wondering if we're jinx though. He's like, I. I almost never get a bottle that's off, and you guys like every other show we well, get. We a beer almost that's never. Get, I mean, if you take all the bottles we've had, mm-hmm. we almost never get a bottle that, that's off. But we've done enough bottles that it's going to happen. And if you do a random show, you know, this you, isn't smelling any better to me. A smelling, little plasticky, a little bit. Yeah, I'm not smelling anything but that Barbie doll, play doh. Oh, the flavor, because it's Imperial Stout with whiskey, tastes a lot better than it smells. We'll see if it builds, but actually, I'm not tasting any kind of um, acetone. Not sure what I'm tasting. Hmm. You know, it's 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 kind of um, kind of a cocoa-y... Um, Actually, like a really rich chocolate milk isn't too far off from like the mouthfeel slash flavor. Then you get a little bit of of, of barrel, um, not too much booziness, but more of just the, the oaky barrel. I'm just tasting a lot of acetone, really. Really? Yeah. It's funny. I could smell it yeah. also. Smelled, and to me, I'm not really tasting it. Let's try switching. See if. Uh... It's so, about the same. Yeah. Now, when you take a sip, you know, we're trained. Certainly, a certain way we drink, right? As we're taking a sip, we're breathing in all the vapors off of the beer into our olfactory. That part's bad. So don't do that. Pretend you're drinking from a bottle. Just don't breathe in right. and just pull in the beer, and it's not as bad. <laughs> Better? A little bit. Okay, see, I, it tastes pretty good. I mean, it tastes a lot better. I don't know if pretty good is the right word, but it tastes a lot better if I don't breathe when I'm drinking the beer. <laughs> not a not a great suggestion, because breathing <laughs> is sort of important yeah. to our biology. Mm, there, I think there's interesting beer in there, uh, but while I think it's interesting beer, I don't think it's a very good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not finding the flavors really all that enticing that's there, you know, underneath mm-hmm. the plasticky notes. So I'm not really sure what to think of this. It could be just ruined by whatever infection got in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also it's also possible that it's just not a very good beer. I, I'd like to give them the benefit I, of the doubt. I, I could taste underneath it a little bit more. And uh, it seemed good. I'm not knocking the beer, but you know this. 
do we have? A, you know, we don't have a price on this, do we? Eleven percent barrel-aged beer. I'm sure it wasn't the cheapest thing on the shelf, and it's just so discouraging. You know, if you spent ten bucks on yeah. something that was spoiled, you know, it's just like, come on. I mean, you may not notice it if you're ten beers into a night. It may be just you know alcohol to you, but if you're tasting it like we are, you're trying to you know try something new. Is this particular bottle was not good, and unfortunately, because I I couldn't taste something good underneath there, I can't really see. I tasted I tasted enough that I'm going to keep an eye out for it, and I'll try it again. And if I pay another ten or twelve dollars for another spoiled bottle of beer, I'm going to uh, call up the full point guys and uh, and bitch at them. But uh, it's uh, it seemed promising. All right, so now we're going up to Erie, Pennsylvania, Drake's Crude Oatmeal Stout, Erie Brewing Company. 6.9% alcohol by volume, 16 degrees Play-Doh, 19 IBUs. It, uh, let's see. Nothing about this not... <laughs> it's not marketing speak. So I can't really speak to, to what is in it. Mm, let's see. They... Okay, here's a marketing thing. Sometimes I'll pick out things that, that I like in marketing. Malt Bonanza... That's okay. This is a it's a reddish uh brown, very dark, not quite as dark as the last one. Doesn't have much of a head on it. This is a seasonal beer available January and February, so probably not gonna be on the shelves right now. I think I got this You only bought it less than a month ago. Hmm. It's an oatmeal stout. It shouldn't go bad no. by April, so it should be okay. But at at six point nine, it's kind of low for an oatmeal stout, isn't it? No, I mean, no, no. You can. I'd say it's average. No, yeah, I guess I mean, you're think right. Of, I'm thinking more imperial. So yeah, no, there's yeah. just oatmeal, right? I yeah. mean, there might be. So I mean, I don't have the BJCP up here. I don't feel like pulling up. If you want to, you can. But you know, my guess would be oatmeal stouts would be in the range from. Like five to five point two, all the way up to, well, really, there's no top end, right? I mean, because American craft brewers are crazy, but I'm sure the traditional range takes it up to seven, seven and a half. I would guess it's in there. Then you get, you know, like oat goop from Three Floyds, right? <laughs> okay, so here's the story for this beer. Uh, in 1859, Colonel Edwin L. Drake successfully drilled the first oil well in Northwest really Pennsylvania. The story for the beer, yes, yeah. is Drake's crude. Colonel Edwin L. Drake successfully drilled the first oil well in northwest Pennsylvania. Right. His first well became known as Drake's Folly by skeptics who soon ate their words as Pennsylvania became responsible for almost half the world's oil production. So that's where Drake's crude comes from. That reminds me of Sherman's Folly during, I, I, I think it was during Lincoln, maybe it was after Lincoln, where Sherman was Secretary of State and he bought Alaska. Sure. Yep. And. Um, and everyone was like, "Why? Why'd you buy this piece of land?" And then all of a sudden, they found gold there. <laughs> and boom! Oh, okay, that's why. <laughs> well, it was a good deal too. Yeah. Uh, no, I've been up to Titusville. Does Derek still, you know, or at least a re- replica? Did Derek still there? You can uh, you can see Drake's well. Okay, the room on this one very different from the last one. The last one was a r- considerably a rye. I mean, even with what it was supposed to be, right? That one was a rye imperial stout. You know, this one. Not as big. 
and then oatmeal. And oatmeal's always hard. Oats, oats use, actually not oatmeal, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Oats used in beer, I always find difficult to describe. They are somewhat steely. And what the steel tastes like? I don't know. It's uh, well, kind of like uh, iron. You know, like uh, you know, blood's a little. Like, yeah, I was going to say right? blood. You know, like, when you, if, yeah. if you if you suck on a cut and you taste a little bit of your blood, you get you get a little bit of a metally taste because it's got iron in it. Yeah, and, and that's that's kind of what oats give. I think that's a good way to describe it. It's, I wouldn't really call it bloody, but it, it, they both have <laughs> kind of the same kind of of metally type flavor to it. Tastes very clean. Mm-hmm. It's definitely um it's spot on with, you know, shelf shelf stability and production and whatnot, which it's, is nice. It's pleasing. It's uh it, it's not overpowering or anything like that. It's another thing I find with oatmeal stouts is that I don't know if it's by design uh, or, you know, by style or if it's just a, a side effect of the oats, but it always seems to, like, they're not the roastiest of stouts. You know, they're not, like, yeah. a roasty cocoa. I've never had a cocoa oatmeal stout. Well, I mean, breakfast stout has a lot of roasty notes to it and it's got oatmeal in it. It also has coffee in it. Yeah, so it's not a pure oatmeal yeah. stout. But, I mean, you, you can put oatmeal in there. Oatmeal sure. gives it... Oatmeal can give a stout a little bit more of of a uh, of a mouthfeel. It gives it a little bit of thickness, sometimes sliminess. This really doesn't have much of that slimy character, like kind of okra. Mm-hmm. You know, this has more flavor. of the oat flavor and less of the oat mouthfeel mm-hmm. compared to other oatmeal stouts. This is nice. It's it's not too steely or metally. It's um, the the roasting. Like I said, the the stout part of it. It's it's not. Roasty like um, Sierra Nevada Stout, right? It's it's a little more. How do I want to it's, it's it? It's almost porterish. It's 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 getting close to Edmund Fitzgerald. Well, see, I think Edmund's pretty pretty roasty, also, right? So I would I would I would disagree. I'm trying to think of other things. I'm trying to think of. Hmm. Um, Let's see. Can I can I say that? No, I can't. I was going to say like Samuel Smith, but damn, it's probably been <laughs> seven years since I've had a Samuel Smith porter or stout. Um, I, I like this though. Yeah, this it's, it's 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 pretty enjoyable. It's really good. I wasn't. In, it's it's got. The kind of label that you look at and you think, hmm, this is some... You can almost look at it and say, this is probably going to be crap. The label looks like it's going to be a bad beer. I don't know. It's it's simple. It's kind of silly looking. It looks almost, uh, you know, just like some... It looks like a regional brewery. Yeah. It looks like over-regional. It looks almost like somebody, you know, made it on their laser printer and shoved it on there. You know, it's funny you you went here. You you went a lot more abruptly than I was going to go, but I was going to say something along the lines of you know Erie's been around ever since we've been you know 
getting into craft beer. You know, they're always there. You know, they're only two hours north of here. Um, they make okay beer, but they've never made fantastic beer. I never really seek out Erie. Right. Um, but I've had a few beers, and this is one of them, where maybe I need to look at them a little bit more closely. I'm I enjoy this. This is good. I am enjoying this. This is a lot. good. And the last beer I had from them, I, I'm trying to blank on what it was, but I remember thinking a similar thing. I'm like, that's pretty good for Erie. So so it might be you know we talked about you know, breweries reinventing themselves. Weyerbacher is right. a classic example here on Craft Beer Radio. They're a good brewery, which you know way back when either we weren't ready for the Weyerbacher or the Weyerbacher wasn't as good as they are today. Um, but you know this is kind of that. You know, like I'm now I'm like Erie might have might have done something to to make themselves better, or I'm just ready for them now. One or the other, you know. I mean, to give you an idea, I picked this beer up against my better judgment in, in the sense that I was picking up beers and I was not going necessarily. Uh, this is this looks like an amazing beer. I was like, let's put this in 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 our in our mm-hmm. show, I don't know whether it's going to be good or bad. I didn't. Right. It wasn't like something like. Well, when I saw it, I'm like, "Oh, why'd you buy that, Greg? You yeah, know, that's not a show worthy beer, but it is. It's good beer. Uh-huh. So you know, it was an experiment, and it paid out well. And it also it, it served a bigger thing. It ser- it told me to, you know, you you should pay more attention to Erie. And 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 beers like that. I mean, you never know sometimes what you're going to get in, mm-hmm. in these things that. Either you haven't tried in a while, or that you just you know it's from a beer company that maybe you're not necessarily like. They can they can give you good stuff sometimes, and this mm-hmm. is an example of a beer. Yeah, I, I was not expecting much either, and I think it's my, my number two deep beer of the night. So surprise, surprise. Yeah, I think it's time to jump into the rankings. Probably gonna be pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, number one beer has got to be the Coronado mm. Islander, right? I mean, it's a wonderful IPA. Yeah. Very delicious. And since I'm fiending on hops right now, that hit the spot. Number two has got to be the Oatmeal Stout from Erie. Really good Oatmeal Stout. I'd like to, I'd like to do that in an Oatmeal Stout show and see, like, see where it lines up. Yeah. And, and potentially do a blind in an oatmeal style show to see what lines up because I think that was pretty good. It, it doesn't have those those slimy, like you said, the ochre characteristics. So it's really... But it still was distinctly oaty. Yeah, yeah. It was really quite good. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three is going to be the uh, New Planet Paleo gluten-free beer. Um, first couple sips are ragged. Yes. But then you really get used... You, you really are able to get used to that aftertaste and it's not so bad. And then, yeah, not applicable is the uh, Rye Rebellion from Full Point. Um, I'm sick of getting dirty beers out of barrels. I <laughs> I am just getting angry when I pay a premium for a barrel-aged beer, and it's spoiled. You know, I have no argument with your ranking, Uh Obviously, I, I think that you can tell by you know how we did the show that this is the ranking. Apologize for it being somewhat shorter show than usual. Uh, circumstances have led to this happening. Um, should be interesting next week as as we we may do a show on either Thursday or Friday or something because there's Pittsburgh Craft Beer Week 
and trying to manage my cheat days around that. So doing a Saturday show probably won't work since there's Thursday and Sunday event or so. There's I don't know exactly. The yeah, schedule. I mean there's there's events many nights of the week. We'll see which ones we go to, but uh, next week's show will not be the standard format. This will be uh, out on the road doing some beer week type stuff, and uh, we'll see you then. Thanks for wa- listening to Craft Beer Radio. It's released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit our website for more information. You can contact us on Twitter. I am at Jeff Bear, At CBR Greg. And we have at Craft Beer Radio, and we'll both see that. Um, for email, you can just hit beer at craftbeerradio.com. We'll see that. We are on Facebook and Google+. Use the little search box. I'm sure you'll find us. And thanks again. I wanted to mention one thing before we end. Uh, rabbit Hole... Um, brewing a Kickstarter has been tweeting and mentioning us. I guess they they want us to mention them. So okay, Rabbit Hole Brewing. They're on Kickstarter. Go take a look at them if you want. Where are they uh, from? I did, I missed. I that. think they're in Texas. Yeah, go uh, go support your local brewery via Kickstarter. I guess. <laughs> yeah, they're in Justin, Texas. All right. <laughs>